Thursday, November 9th. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show. Plucers, unite. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter when you're catching us, no matter when the show works for you, thanks so much for popping back in and back on. Hit subscribe, hit like, and here we go. Brock Purdy, when you hit that field coming up on Sunday, brother, I want you to sign it. I want a signature game from Brock Purdy. Is that too much to ask for? I mean, we've treated him with kid gloves. Training wheels, like, off now, right? It's time, baby. And if the 49ers get that signature game from Brock Purdy, if it, I, I, I think it's the best way to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. But beyond that, I mean, the amount of the infusion of confidence that would just ripple through this team in this locker room. And I think they need that. The Niners got to come out guns a-blazing here to start the second half march towards the playoffs that everyone at the beginning of this year with a 5-0 and start felt promised. Felt like it was, it was going to happen. Three weeks of wavering defense and offense Made everybody get a little nervous and start to reevaluate everything, right? But look, the Jaguars, as we said yesterday, this is a team that is beatable in its secondary. Brock, that's you, baby. That is you, Brock Purdy. Um, they allow 263.5 passing yards per game. That's the third most in football. Now, you know, everything needs to be put in context to really understand the statistic. Well, the reason why the Jaguars do allow that many passing yards is because teams essentially give up even trying to run on them. They've got the third stingiest run defense in all of football, so it's a little skewed. It is a little skewed. It's not like how the Buccaneers or the Chargers passing numbers um, are, are skewed. Those, those are just teams that you can throw the ball on. I don't know if they're really shutting down the run either, but the Jaguars are excellent against the run. They allow fewer than 80 yards per game. And so for the 49ers, I think to find victory, they need to find it in the air down in Jacksonville, which means Brock Purdy, kid, sign this game. Put your signature on it. Get yourself back into the still way too early to have ridiculously poorly produced, didn't even put much imagination into it, Monday talk shows where they're going to be like, hey, you think Brock Purdy can be the MVP? Of the, you know, like, that's where we were. Just get back there. It might be nonsense, but it's nonsense that just, again, installs confidence. Installs confidence. The 49ers need an infusion, team-wide confidence, and Brock going bonkers down in Jacksonville, I think, will do it. Now, you better, because let me tell you, the other guy, that Trevor Lawrence, he is capable. He is capable of very big things, and we will get into how dangerous Jacksonville is and how their offense operates here in just a little bit. But before we get into the Jaguars' offense, let's start with the news about the 49ers' defense that we've got this week, and that is Steve Wilkes is coming down from the heavens to save the day. Steve Wilkes is coming down from the box. He is going to be calling plays defensively from the sideline. Oh, okay. Okay. Great. All I can say, Steve, is that move better work because the next move doesn't involve going back up to the press box. The next move involves a cardboard box and a U-Haul truck. So... We're already scratching at the last remaining things to get this Steve Wilkes defense kind of working, right? Like, like that's sort of where we are here. Had there not been three games of completely inexplicable defensive failure, no one would give a rip where he's sitting or standing for these games. Like, I, he, he could, he, he could call games from the moon. If the 49ers defense was playing like it was in the first five weeks, no one would give a rip. No one would care where he is. No one. Um, you know, I, I've heard one of the things that has been talked about. I've seen it on Twitter and in chat rooms, and I, I've heard it on the radio. People are like, oh, you know, Steve is now going to be able to communicate better with players and get real-time, on-the-field information from players coming up and talking to him, and that's got to help. Maybe, to me, the Steve Wilkes' 
errors have not been made like once the game is underway and they make an adjustment to his plan and now they're going off and we need to readjust. The problem for Steve Wilkes' defenses, I believe, have been the conceived game plan that was in place at the coin flip. Like, that, that there, there's no amount of players giving you feedback which should affect the first drive of the game. And that's where Steve Wilkes has been letting this team down. I just think that his plans haven't been, they just, they haven't been working against what he's seeing early. It feels like the 49ers, three weeks in a row, came out unprepared for the challenge at hand right in the beginning of the game. It's not like they were in control of the game and then it got away from them. That's not how these three losses have gone about. Like, oh, if only Steve had been down there to process some data the players really wanted to share with him, but they couldn't because they can only get to talk to him at halftime unless they jump on a headset. I really don't understand why there is so much... Why the communication issues in football? Like, you know, why are we going through a collegiate sign-stealing scandal when we've got all the technology to just have coaches talk to players right in their helmet? How come only two, three players are allowed this helmet? Why not have everybody in on the conversation? I just don't understand. Like, embrace the technology. It's there. Use it. It will only make the product better. Isn't that what we're trying to do for fans and people buying tickets and watching on TV? You're just looking to make the product better. If the product is better when communication improves, improve the ability for coaches to communicate with players and if everybody is allowed the same tools of communication and the same number of receivers and helmets, there's no cheating going on. There's no advantage going on. The advantage will go to the teams that are better at communicating. Like, give it to them. Make it easier, not harder. The game's hard enough, for goodness sakes. So, Steve Wilkes coming down to the field. That's great. But I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter if Steve Wilkes is standing on the 50-yard line, the 40-yard line, the 30-yard line, back on the bench, talking to people, having a sandwich. It doesn't matter. If he's coming out and playing soft zone again this week, he has not learned anything. And soft zone this week, by the way, will get your ass kicked. Trevor Lawrence against zone coverage is number one in the NFL in QBR. He is second in completion percentage in the league against a zone defense. He is fourth in EPA on passes against a zone defense. You give Trevor Lawrence man coverage to look at, all of a sudden those numbers drop from number one to 24, from second to 22nd, to fourth to 21st. So if you see the 49ers coming out in zone against Trevor Lawrence, Steve Wilkes should be fired on the sideline right there. Like right right there. If, if they're opening in zone coverage, I, I don't know what to, to, to tell you. I mean, it doesn't take much of a football coach to say, let's go to the defense that makes Trevor Lawrence a, just a guy instead of playing the defense that allows him to play as well as Patrick Mahomes. He kills zone coverage. So if the 49ers are getting killed in zone coverage, um, that's a problem. That is going to be a problem. See an awful lot of people already in the chat. Good to see you. Thank you very much. It is good to have you. Uh, Postman says it sounds a little funny on his end. We got, we, I, I, I don't, it shouldn't sound funny on anybody's end. We are broadcasting. We got Bluetooth turned over, so we're not going to get invaded by Jillian's earbuds. Everything should be okay. I hope everyone's good. Everyone good? Good. I hope everyone is good. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And hit some man-to-man -man defense if you're the 49ers going to Jacksonville this weekend. Um, look, they prefer to play zone. But you should be playing more man-to-man -man right now. Uh, Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers for ESPN, says, Through the first five games, this defense was first in the NFL in points allowed, third in yards allowed, fifth in defensive expected points allowed, and sixth in takeaways. And over the ensuing three weeks, the Niners dropped to 24th, 30th, 31st, and tied for 13th, respectively, in all those same categories. Explain the big backup. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, 
And I don't know if Chase Young is going to be able to solve that all by himself, but I'll tell you, it's good that he's here. It's good that he's here. Look good, feel good, play good. He looks good in the uniform. The team feels good that he's here. So hopefully that translates to everyone on that defensive line playing better right now. It's time. It's time to thank our sponsors. And my dear friend, Ike, who again, when it came time to sponsor the Plus, this man answered the bell. And I want you to answer my call to go ahead and and get yourself a lunch at Ike's as soon as you can. Delicious sandwiches of all kinds, for all types, and all ilk. Now, a lot of his sandwiches are based on how big of a uh, dare can, can you put on a sandwich. Like, can you put onion rings and mozzarella sticks and jalapenos? And, like, you can just keep adding and adding and adding and adding. And it's like some guy smoking weed in college, coming to like, oh, man, what would taste good on that? Put that on the sandwich. Now, what is Ike doesn't get nearly the credit for is like the healthy options and the vegan options and the vegetarian options that he has. And this is me like touting healthier choices. I look, look, I need to be making healthier choices. The truth is you can thin out a sandwich at Ike's. You can get a fat boy sandwich at Ike's. There is something for everyone Find out for yourself, download that Ike's Rewards app, and earn your way to free sandwiches. You'll be awfully happy that you did. Yummy, free sandwiches. How do you argue with that? You just can't. You just can't. Again, I'm so proud of my guys at Uncle Boys. I want to sneak in a little bonus uh, sponsorship before we even get to good for ball, bad for ball for them because they are now running the kitchen at the Union Street Pub. My man John is down there cooking up burgers, not only at Uncle Boy's over on Balboa on the Inner Rich. Look at him bopping around Ladies Lane in the marina, Union Street, the Union Street Pub, a great bar, and now all of a sudden they got great burgers because they're serving up Uncle Boy's Burgers, I'm very happy for my man Uncle Boy. It was so great to see him at Plus Mania, too. I know a lot of you really appreciated meeting him. And we support each other, man. We really do. We circle the wagons here on the Plus. So I love that. And uh, let me tell you, if you want to start circling some winners and making plays and bets, go to mybookie.ag and use promo code DAMON when you sign up. If you do that, all of a sudden, you're going to find out that they've got some of the best interface out there in the world of gambling. They've got great odds for you. They've got a lot of different pops, props and all kinds of bets that you can make. And if you just want to like kick it for a half an hour and go play a little blackjack in the casino, they got that too. It's offshore, baby. That's why it's mybookie.ag. And when you sign up using promo code Damon, make sure your card is approved for international uh, use. And then all of a sudden you can get underway and you can have an awful lot of fun over at mybookie.ag. And as always, we encourage everyone to gamble responsibly because that's, that's the kind of people that we are. And uh, that's the kind of people that I want you to be, good, responsible people. All right. All right. Other things going on in Jacksonville. First of all, Chase Young is listed as your starting left defensive end, right? So, or right defensive, opposite of Nick Bosa, basically. And apparently, like, everyone that is writing about how Chase Young is being received in that building, goes right to how excited Nick Bosa is. And considering Nick Bosa basically has a personality that means he talks like this at all times, I don't know if you can really tell if Nick is excited about things. Very monotone. But he's excited. Nick Bosa is happy that his college teammate, who he believes is as much of an ass kicker as he is, is on this team now. Again, look good. Yep. Feel good, feeling better, play good, it all goes together. It all goes together. He's got his college buddy, and if that's what lights a fire under him, under this defensive line, the 49ers are a better football team right there and might even whisper dominance back into the NFL. That's who they were in the first five weeks. Again, it wasn't that they had a three-game losing streak. It was the catastrophic fall-off from... Man, they look really good. To man, they just gave up a thousand yards plus over the last three weeks. Like that is not like them. Here's another thing that's not like them. All of a sudden, they turned into a poor tackling football team. Well, you know what? Getting um, a little rest, and Shanahan admitted that his team looks slow against Cincinnati. 
The tackling was poor. Hopefully a healthier shoulder in Dre Greenlaw. That one action alone should make the tackling improve. Uh, just a, a, a week off for Fred Warner should bring out the best in him. Everybody, I think, started cracking under the pressure. And the week off came at the right time. Now, unfortunately, they're not going to be like, we had a bye week, you didn't fresher over the Jaguars. Jaguars just had their bye week as well. And the other thing that's kind of unfortunate is that Trent Williams' status is still up in the air. This, this ankle is worse than was feared. You know, you want to call it a, a high ankle sprain or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I, I Look, I'm not there. I'm not the doctor. But... What was supposed to be like, yeah, he's going to miss a game and then the bye week and then he should be back. Like it's 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 more than that. If his status is still unknown for Sunday, we're talking to you on Thursday. Um, you know that that needs to up that 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 needs to change. I mean, Trent Williams is a big part of this team, and when I think of other things that need to change, is you know Jordan Mason's got to be more incorporated not only for the depth, not only for the player that I think he can be for this team, but also just to preserve and protect Christian McCaffrey from overexposure. Mooney Ward, again, you're the starting corner, man. Mooney Ward, if you're the starting cornerback, I'm not saying never get beat because that doesn't happen in football. You're going up against the best of the best every week, but what you can't do is make it easy on them by being a human personal you know, pass interference call. So Mooney Ward... Needs to start playing better. Again, Drake Greenlaw feeling better means his team should tackle better in that one move alone. That one move alone should make this a better defense again. So hopefully all of that happens. Now, since we're saying, you got to sign this game, Brock, you got to put your signature on it. That means he's going to need a little help because he can't sign it all by himself, right? He can only throw the ball. Someone's got to catch it. That someone needs to be George Kittle once again when George Kittle is heavily involved and starting to have one of those you-don't-need-any-nuance-to-see-him-on-the-field types of games, but that opens up the Niners' offense in so many different ways. And look, Debo Samuel, outside of the L.A. Rams game, outside of the L.A. Rams game where he had six catches for 129 yards, in every other game that he's played this year, he, he's just been a guy. <laughs> Straight up. Like Debo Samuel, um, you know, he, 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 he had that holdout with the Niners because he didn't want to be thought of or paid as a running back. He wants number one wide receiver money. Start acting like a number one wide receiver then, man. I mean, Debo has a problem separating himself from a defender. Now, we all know that he can run through defenders, too. The guy is a stud and a tone setter. But you can keep your studly nature and your tone set, and I'll take, for, I'll take that for a guy who can come down with eight catches. That's what a number one wide receiver does. He gives you eight to ten catches, like, every week. That's what a number one wide receiver does. Debo Samuel, to this point in the year, and he's only played six games. We know he's been hurt, but he's only got 20 catches. That's it. 20 catches. You know, this is a guy who came in saying, I'm never going to put another year like last year on tape again. He came in in great shape. It's not really paid off. He hasn't done jack outside of that Rams game down in LA. Again, that was a really good day for him. He had six catches, 129 yards, carried the ball a few times. It was a good day for Debo. The other days for Debo have been just, just days. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Your wide receiver won. Right? Brandon Ayuk has really outplayed you in like every single game this year. And that's good. Like you want Brandon Ayuk to play great. Brandon Ayuk's got to get to that ball in the end zone. Brandon Ayuk's having a very good season. Debo Samuel cannot say that right now. He's not having a very good anything. And he hasn't been really very good in a while. Do you realize that he hasn't seen seven receptions? Debo hasn't seen a seventh catch in a single game all year. He's topped out at sixth. <coughs> Pardon me. He hasn't had an eight-catch game since October of 2021. It's two years ago. Like, you're a number one wide receiver, dude. you got to have more than eight catches at some point in time in a football season to really say that you're the man. You just have to. 
you just like you can't blame it on the quarterback anymore. This quarterback delivers a very catchable ball on the money for the most part. This isn't Jimmy Garoppolo. This isn't Trey Lance. This isn't Brian fucking Hoyer. This is this is a kid who is really putting the ball where the ball needs to be. Debo, be better now for the rest of the year. Like no more of this. Like oh yeah, Debo, he had four catches for uh, thirty-two yards. And it's, that's not going to get it done. It's funny. The Jaguars offense, in many ways, it's Niner-ish in terms of how it's conceived. Look, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, if he were in New York if he were in Chicago, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, like Trevor Lawrence would be one of the biggest names in the world of sports. And he's not a tiny name right now. He's a star, but he's not a megastar because that is what happens when you're playing the side stage of Lollapalooza. And that's where Jacksonville is. That's, that's an NFL side stage. Jacksonville is rarely, if ever, on the main stage. But he's got Everything. Every club in the bag. Trevor Lawrence has got it. He's a hell of an athlete beyond just having an incredible arm that is accurate, that is strong. I mean, there's a reason why this guy was the number one pick in the draft. He is special, and he's a player. And he's got his own version of Christian McCaffrey. Travis Etienne Jr. has almost 900 yards from scrimmage and he really is. He's Christian McCaffrey to the Jaguars. This guy catches passes out of the backfield. This guy sometimes lines up along the line of scrimmage. Um, he is four yards a run, 10 yards a catch. Like, really good numbers. Seven touchdowns. And if he gets loose on Sunday, 49ers are in a little bit of trouble. Like, how, how is the day going for the 49ers down in Jacksonville? How's Travis Etienne's day going? I bet the answers are the same. If Etienne's struggling, I bet you the Niners aren't. And the reverse is also true. You got to look out for Evan Ingram in this game. Evan Ingram doesn't have a touchdown, but what he does have are 51 catches as the preferred target. The preferred target of Trevor Lawrence. Evan Ingram, 51 catches. By the way, that's the same amount of catches that DeAndre, uh, excuse me, Devontae Adams has with the Raiders. Like this guy catches balls like a wide receiver. He's also, by, by the way, he's played one more game Devontae Adams has than Evan Ingram. And there he is, 13th in the NFL in receptions. This tight end will move the ball, move the chains. And Trevor Lawrence looks for him in any and all situations. 13th in the NFL in receptions. Only two other tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, who you saw carve up the 49ers in Minnesota on that Monday night, uh, TJ Hawkinson and Travis Kelsey are the only other two tight ends who have more catches than Evan Ingram. So you better keep your eye on him. Look, Christian Kirk, his 43 catches? Everyone laughed at Trent Baalke when he signed when he when he signed Christian Kirk. Paid him too much money. He's not ready to be that guy. Well, guess what? Christian Kirk is one of the best signings of Trent Baalke's run as a general manager. I don't care what team he's been GMing for. Christian Kirk has really paid off. His 43 catches, by the way, would lead the 49ers in receptions. He's a burner with hands. Oh, I really like him. You know, we, we wrote his name down. We put it in an envelope and, and Christian Kirk, that's the guy. He can play. He can play. You got Calvin Ridley on the other side. He is fitting very well into his first season with Trevor Lawrence. And I'll tell you, Zay Jones, who is questionable in this game, he's been hurt all year. If if he shows up to give you a little bit of a problem, and, and I, I, I did check yesterday, I think he was a limited participant in practice, so I don't know if he's even out there on Sunday, but 
Jaguars got talent and balance. They got talent. They got balance. They got speed on speed. So this ain't going to be easy for the 49ers. Now, Christian McCaffrey just decides like, oh, by the way, I, I'm just going to go off and I'm going to set the NFL record for consecutive games, touchdowns, and just I'm going to keep on doing this and 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 you're going to see me like pop for five yards of carry again. It's going to get a lot easier on the 49ers, but I really think this game is on Brock in so many ways. He has got to outplay Trevor Lawrence, which is a big ask. It's a big ask, but he's got the prep to do it. He's got the mind to do it. He's got the talent to do it. He's got the coach that's going to allow him and put him in position to do it. He needs his players and his teammates to make the plays. No more ball off the face mask. No more, ah, oh, his hands were on it, but he just didn't come down with it. Make plays. You're going to need more than 21 to beat the Jaguars. I think you got to score at least four touchdowns in this game. It's 28 points, bare minimum to win. That's what I think. These teams are going to come out humming after bye weeks. I'm ready. Are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. I am feeling it. Couple of just uh, chats popping up here saying, Tiger Tank, I think it's more of a Wilkes problem than a communication issue. It might be. That's what I fear as well. Again, I, I don't care if he's calling uh, defensive plays from a Sandals in Jamaica. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care where the play call is coming through, coming in from if it's the wrong play. And there's been way too many wrong plays given to a defense that seemed to be in the right situation early in the year. And then again, it just all went bad in Cleveland and they have not picked up the pieces since. Annan. Annan X. I made it in. Kicking. Live. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sip of the day. That was delicious, but that was perfect right there. Right there. I'm gonna go, I'm going back for another. Yeah, like that an awful lot. Let me tell you who I'm gonna have on the show tomorrow. Her name is Kendra Wilkinson, and she was an intern at 95-7 the game years ago who worked on my show for a little while. She went back to the East Coast where she was from, and she's got a job now in New England on like WEEI. She is becoming a sports reporter and a sports figure in one of the toughest nuts to crack in Boston, especially when you're not like some Patriots, you know, card carrying uh, supporter, rah rah. That, She's the reason why I'm going to have Kendra on tomorrow is because she's the only Jacksonville Jaguar fan I've ever known or met in my life, and she knows that team better than I do. So we're going to have Kendra come on tomorrow and tell us a little bit about more about what the 49ers are walking into. She's really become something of a media star, and uh, I'm 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 happy for her. I'm proud of her. Absolutely saw talent very early on in her career, and she's. She is making it happen. So she'll be joining us tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to catching up with Kendra. She turned me on to spa water. We'll, we'll, we'll show you how that happens tomorrow. Um, good audio. Everything sounds good. This is what I want to hear. Thank you, Ranger49. Good audio. Uh, thank you very much. 49er Ultimate Report. Thank you very much. Michelle saying, of course, Damon comes out with a head of steam on a Thursday. I should have known better. Again, we're getting back to football. Again, it's been a little bit of a lull during the bye week, right? A little bit of a lull. It's time, baby. Here we go. Here we go. We're getting back to it. I hope you plan on joining me. On Sunday, about what, 1-15, 1-20, 1-30, when the 49ers and Jaguars 
are at the two-minute warning, whenever that is the most aggressive post-game show on the planet, begins while the game is still going on. Join me right here on the Plouse for a 49er Jaguar post-game while the game's still going on. We fear nothing. We fear nothing. All right. We will get back to all the good people talking in the chat right now. We got a Club Plus coming up, of course. I like this right here, though, from Will saying, Ike is actually is dope. Had it when work bought lunch. Yeah, man, dude, Ike sandwiches are the truth. And, and, and you know, I, I think, I think uh, that's why we make perfect partners. The show is the truth. Ike's is the truth. Mybookie.ag. That's the true. Check it out. Check it out. We got T from the 203. Been missing for the last couple days, but he wants everyone to know that mybookie.ag over the one sportsbook app down in Florida. Again, that's a thing. Doesn't matter if they haven't allowed gambling in your state. It's offshore, baby. We're going out in international waters. No laws where we're going. So, what I wanted to have happen is exactly what happened. I wanted to come out with a strong 30 minutes on the Niners. And I believe that that has been accomplished. It's just time, kids. It's time. Here it is. You know, the second half of the season opens in Jacksonville. You don't want to trip in the opener of the second half of your season. It's a big game, man. It really is. It's a big fucking football game. And you can downplay it and say, well, you know, even if they lose, there's still eight games coming. And that's all true. There's eight, eight more games coming whether you win or lose. How those eight games feel. How you feel like you're getting ready for them. Pivots greatly on the results of this Jacksonville game. Look, Jacksonville is an absolute AFC contender. You want to be an NFC contender? Take out an AFC contender. Why not? want to talk some Warriors basketball. First of all, last night's game, disappointing that they lost for sure. But boy, they, you know, look, the, the Warriors are way past, uh, uh, you know, what, 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 you know, feel good, feel good losses. It's, it's not what they're in the, they, they, they've graduated. There's no feel good losses for the Golden State Warriors. But I'll tell you, they brought the champs to the brink last night. And they did it without two of their most important defensive pieces even playing in Draymond Green and Gary Payton II, neither available. And, you know, Jamal Murray didn't play either. And I brought this up last night, and they were like, well, you know, the Warriors, you know, making excuses. Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. All right. You know, and Jamal Murray's a stud. I, I got a lot of respect for him. I think he's a hell of a player, and he absolutely makes the Nuggets better. I don't think there, there is a worse position to be in in the NBA this year than the best low-post defender you have isn't there to play a, against Nikola Jokic. I mean, you, you can't be more in Dutch than in that one move alone. Who's your best low-post defender? Well, he's not playing tonight. Who are you playing against? Uh, a center that is unstoppable. Well, good luck with that. I mean, Jokic really is one of those, you, you do not stop him. You only hope to slow him down. You only hope to contain him. I'm not here to make excuses. Again, the, the Warriors are a lot better than anyone to make excuses, okay? They out-rebounded the Nuggets last night, though. And I do like seeing that. They out-rebounded the Nuggets last night. This was an eighth night in a different city, including a stop back at Chase Center for the uh, Clay Thompson game winner. Uh, they played well enough to win in so many different ways in Denver. Uh, did they get jobbed on a goaltend call while the same action that was a goaltend not called was then called on Trace Jackson Davis down on the other end of the court on consecutive trips? I mean, we're talking about no goaltending over here, but goaltending over here, and it's the exact same play. It's the exact same play. If I may quote Bob Fitzgerald, I'm sure he said it at the time. That's a four-point swing. That's a four-point swing. That would have made a difference in that game last night. 
I love that the Warriors only had two second-half turnovers when they need to get right, when they need to value the ball. They did that. And that Denver bench has been rebuilt and revamped and is very good. And the Warriors bench last night outscored Denver's bench by 30 points. Again, had, had guys been able to knock down some shots, the Warriors win that game. I'm looking at you, Clay Thompson. And boy, I'm looking at you, Andrew Wiggins. We're going to get to you. But I'm also looking at you, Dario Saric. Cut more shots go down. The Warriors win that game. Again, had Draymond played, it feels like it turns last night's loss into a win. Uh, less slop in the first quarter. Not having a hole to dig out of, I think, turns last night's loss into a win. Um, more Jonathan Kaminga. I think, turns last night's loss into a win. And less Andrew Wiggins, I think, turns last night's loss into a win. Um, it was a disappointing ending, but it was also an entertaining, very interesting, weird, fun game. And look, you know, there, there's not a lot of warrior defeats that you walk away from going like, yeah. That's kind of how I felt about that, though, last night. Like, I really thought, like, is this, are we looking at a Western Conference Finals preview? That could happen. Like, that could happen. Um, the Warriors are moving out of the neighborhood of interesting and starting to drift into the neighborhood of fascinating. Like, it's kind of fascinating how this is coming about. And, you know, the, the second unit is getting the team back into games. It's not the first unit. It's the first unit that's kind of playing the team out of games. And it's Chris Paul and Co. and Moody and Kaminga. And if you don't mind me saying, look, you can feel Trace Jackson Davis earning the trust and confidence of his coaching staff and his teammate up by the trip up and down the court, right? Like, did I did I not tell you about Trace? Did I not? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I not tell you about Trace Jackson Davis? Kids, there's a player on the court. There's a player on the court, and he's going to turn into a better player the more you put him on the court. Here is a rookie playing like his fourth, fifth game as a pro, and he is out there more than holding his own against Jokic, as much as you're allowed to hold your own against Jokic, right? Little lob pass from Curry. Mama Chewbacca. Dude, I'm telling you, who told you? Have you? And here's the thing, you know, well, Damon, he's an IU player. Obviously, you're going to gas him up. Do you ever hear me talk about, like, you know, uh, uh, any other IU player? Do you, you, hear, you hear me talk about OG Ananobi like this? Did you hear me talk about Victor Oladipo like that? A little bit I did. I, I told you Victor Oladipo was going to be a player. Had he not been injured, he still would be. But you don't hear me talking about other players. Do you hear me telling you what Jalen Hood Shafino is about to become? For the Lakers, I don't know. I, I don't know yet, but I knew what I saw in Trace Jackson Day. Like, don't tell me that a fundamentally sound guy who plays hard and rebounds to the best of his abilities and contends shots and plays defense like that translates. There are some things in basketball that I hope will forever be universal. Playing hard, playing smart, finding the angles, the right footwork. All this stuff matters. He's got that stuff. I seriously hope he is earning. I mean, really, really earning more and more playing time. And where do you find it for him? You find it for him by sending a message to Andrew Wiggins. Look, this is a bad start for Andrew Wiggins. There's just no pretending it isn't. There's no pretending. It, 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 this is a bad start for Andrew Wiggins. You can't have some like 4.1 rebound half and be Andrew Wiggins. That's like... There's so much that goes on on the basketball court that I think I know and I think that I understand. Like I actually think that I could talk X's and O's with a basketball player, a professional basketball player. My God, I was sitting next to Bill Cartwright the other night at a Hilltop event, and I'm talking 
basketball with Bill Cartwright. And in the middle of the conversation, he was like, you know, you know, ball a little bit. Bill Cartwright's got that voice. He's like, you know, ball. And that's like the greatest compliment you can get. Like, I'm like, wow, Bill, thank you. Can I get that on tape? Um, truth is, I'm sure Bill Cartwright was just being nice. Bill Cartwright was being nice to the guy that he was sitting next to who was emceeing the event he was attending. Um, you try to sit around and talk basketball with anyone who has really, really played in the NBA, you're going to find yourself just with nothing to say quickly. Like there is a language that is happening at the professional level of sports that you nor I nor any sports talk host really knows. Like I'll give Greg Papa an awful lot of credit. He tries to throw more coaching jargon and football language into what he's saying. And he might understand it a little bit better, but he is just parroting shit more than he really knows it. What I do understand is effort. What I do understand is body language. And I'm telling you right now, Andrew Wiggins leads the NBA in terrible body language. His hands are on his hips. Any single time the ball's not in play, his hands are on his hips. He's looking down. He's not talking to his teammates. He's just kind of walking around by him. He's wandering by himself around the court. And then when the ball is in play, it is obvious he's not playing hard at times because then there are times like... Every 18 minutes, not 18 minutes of game clock, but 18 minutes of TV time. So this incorporates timeouts and commercial breaks and all that stuff. Like every 18 minutes, every 20 minutes or so, Andrew Wiggins does something that makes you go, holy shit, do that again. Do that again, Andrew. Do that again. Like don't, don't, don't wait so many trips up and down the court before you do that again. He has moments where he goes from, I'm not even really trying hard to, man, he throws it into fourth gear. He's faster. He jumps higher, taller, better than anyone. Like there's a reason why he was the number one overall pick in the draft. And then there was also a reason why where planet basketball would make fun of his passivity, passivity, passivity. It's pissing me off. I do know that. I mean, Andrew Wiggins at times, is drifting into either a parody of himself or an impression of the guy that got traded out of Minnesota. I mean, there's a reason why everyone in Minnesota was like, we're done with you, dude. We're done. You ain't even trying hard. You're not even trying hard. Or when you do try hard, it's not nearly to the ratio of you walking around with your hands on your hips and feeling disinterested and disconnected. And I'm not saying that that Andrew Wiggins needs to be like a, a facial, intense guy. Some guys just aren't like that. Some guys aren't like that. You know who never went not once in his entire career? Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler, I don't think, scowled once, but that guy was out there playing harder and faster than everyone. You can see playing hard, playing fast, and Andrew Wiggins isn't playing nearly hard or fast enough almost all the time you're looking at him. The problem isn't skill. The problem isn't disinterest. The problem isn't that he's from Canada. The problem is that he's not playing with intensity. And I can see that. Like, I might not be able to talk about, you know, elevator screens and floppy sets and pick and roll. Well, actually, I mean, I can talk about all those things. But I get, if we wanted to get to the granular level of basketball tape analysis... I'd be out of my league real quick. But when it comes to who's playing hard tonight, I'm a fucking detective. I see that shit like Sherlock Holmes picks up clues. Okay? And it's time for Andrew Wiggins to just play more intense. It's like he's doing a parody of the player that was ridiculed and made fun of. And then, you know, here's a guy who, again, Wiggins, then all of a sudden, you know, he got to the NBA Finals, and you saw the very best of him. Like the best Andrew Wiggins has ever played. This is some of the worst basketball Andrew Wiggins has ever played with the Golden State Warriors. I, I didn't watch much Andrew Wiggins as a disappointment in Minnesota, but I know what Andrew Wiggins, you know, kind of like, I, I know what to expect. I didn't expect him to look this bad, not ever again after that NBA Finals. And what makes me worried really about Andrew Wiggins, is now he might be standing in the way of guys that are going to outplay him, like Kaminga, 
like Trace Jackson Davis, like Dario Saric when that shot is fallen. By the way, if Dario's three is not fallen, if Dario Saric misses his first three, four threes, get him the fuck off the court. If that shot's fallen, there's room for Dario. Shot not fallen, I don't know how much room for Dario there really is. Here's my question. Because he did. He's playing himself into a parody of bad Andrew Wiggins. I don't know when he's going to play himself out of it. And I don't know if it's like, oh, well, you know, you, you don't worry. When the light of the playoffs go on, Andrew's going to be there again. I guarantee it. I don't know. I really don't know. You know, he is so physically gifted and talented that he's bound to have a great week or two. Did he pick the week of the NBA Finals or did that week pick him? You know, like, like did, did it just happen to be like, hey, the law of averages and Andrew hitting a bunch of buckets and playing great, like finally it kicked in? Or did he really say, it's the NBA Finals, I'm going to go show him something that I didn't show him in the past and I'm going to go ahead and prove to everyone that I'm absolutely the guy that you hope I am, that you think I can be, and I'm going to show it to you. Or did it just kind of happen? Like, I don't know. And that's what worries me about Andrew Wiggins. Plus, he's on the hook for an average of $27 million between now and the next, like, three years. Andrew Wiggins, in suffering through the lack of intensity that sometimes comes with him, was the price of doing business when you didn't have anyone else to play. There are other guys to play, and I want Steve Kerr's leash. Steve's famous for his leashes. I want Steve Kerr's leash on Wiggins to get tighter. And he's got alternatives that he used to not have. So, again, I, I think you can see it quickly. If Wiggins has got his hands on his hips, at that point, just walking around, you know, the ball stopped, got a, some people talk. Wiggins is never talking to anyone. He's just hands on his hips, just... just done, around the court. Andrew Wiggins, like, come on, man! Show me some intensity. Show me some intensity. That's all I want to see. I can see we've got an awful lot of uh, reaction to that. The chat that is just like a right now. Having said all that. Having said all that, the Warriors are 6-3. and three. And if you sold me six and three for their first nine games of the year, I would have bought it immediately before the season even tipped off. Six and three with all these road games, I like it. And you know what? I'd like it even better. And their record would be better than that if anybody would knock down some shots, not named Steph Curry. We are still nine games into the year here. And the only other guy who's cracked 20, and it's only happened once, was Sarich in Oklahoma City. No one else has joined Steph Curry north of 20 points in a game except for Saric. How? Come on, guys. Seriously. You know what I would do if I were Steve Curry? I would tell Andrew Wiggins, I'm to be like, here's the deal. You need to throw it. If you take a three before you attack the rack, I'm sitting your ass. You get to, the, you get to a free throw line before you take a three-point shot. I want to see you dunk before you go ahead and, and take another three. He's just been terrible from downtown. And I think one of the hallmarks of a lack of intensity is just settling for this easy three instead of trying to go and do something at the rim. Get to the rim. More Jonathan Kaminga. More Jonathan Kaminga. There you go. There's my official announcement. Give me more Kaminga. I'm not, this isn't even me stumping for Trace Jackson Davis. Get me more Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, you you want to talk about playing with some intensity, trying to make something happen at a speed that no one else is trying to play at? Let, get me more Kaminga. Please. Pretty please. With a cherry on top. Ooh, here's a little cherry on top. Cherry on top of uh, your NBA news. James Harden, I saw this from Monty Poole last night. James Harden 
is a clipper. And guess what? They haven't cracked 100 since James Harden's become a clipper. They look clunky. And they've had back-to-back losses against the Knicks and the Nets. And you know Nets fans love that. Uh, James Harden was minus 18 against the New York Nets. He was minus 15 against Brooklyn. Uh, In two games, he scored 29 points with 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 7 turnovers. And in these games, he's had, as teammates, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. I want James Harden to fail so miserably. I just, I'm tired of him. I'm tired of him being a lousy teammate. I'm tired of him dictating NBA fortunes. It's just, he is an unwelcome house guest as far as I'm concerned at this point. And I hope the Clippers totally regret ever adding that cancer to winning anything to their lineup. Not even Clippers fans deserve James Harden. Like, it's, it's tough enough being a Clippers fan. You got that guy now, too? Ugh. Three more stories. One of one one is probably a little bit more suited for tomorrow. We'll get into more details for tomorrow. But all I can tell you is that as I'm watching this, and we haven't talked much about it at all, this Michigan sign-stealing scandal, watching it unfold has been fascinating because there is no more arrogant Big Ten university than the University of Michigan. Um, they are a special brand of cocksuckers up in Ann Arbor. They really are. Um, the one thing I'm absolutely sure of with doing zero investigation and just looking at facts that are presented and rumors that have been thrown around. And here's the one thing I know. There will never be a time where Jim Harbaugh isn't completely caught red-handed guilty of being Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh is looking for all sorts of advantages anywhere he can find them. And if he has to duck around the corner of total honest operation to find an advantage, he would do that. There's no doubt in my mind. Most coaches would, by the way. And the sign-stealing scandal, look, is it something that is... The sign-stealing thing was basically incorporated into football when in order to sign or, or, or catch or tape other teams putting in signs, calling plays, like you had to have a VHS camcorder that would like sit on your shoulder with a VHS tape recording. Now everything is, you know, an iPhone. Everyone's got a recording studio right in their phone. So like recording things isn't this abstract advantage that few might have and others don't have. Like it's it's weird. And there's no doubt, look, other schools, do they do it? Sure they do. Sure they do. Is it really that much of an advantage or disadvantage? That is absolutely to be debated. Um, There's also the fact that the guy who was mostly involved in all of this resigned already. Innocent men don't really resign. So there is some, there's an admission of guilt in that action alone, right? But what Jim Harbaugh is trying to do is separate himself from, I knew anything. And that to me is laughable because... If you went up to a Michigan fan a year ago, they would tell you that our coach is the most dialed in, in control, knows everything that is happening with every single pedal on the rose that is the Michigan football program. There's nothing that escapes Jim Harbaugh's purview. There is nothing that escapes his discipline. There is nothing that escapes his mind. He is a Svengali. He knows all, does all, sees all. The minute there's a scandal, they're like, oh, well, Jim Harbaugh didn't know anything about that. He, he had no idea at all. It's just totally innocent. No, no chance that he knew anything. You can't find a single uh, trace of shred of evidence that goes right back to him. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the ultimate puppet master on one hand and a guy who doesn't even know puppetry on the other. You know, so like Michigan... I know you're, there's no school in the Big Ten that enjoys sniffing its own farts more than you do. But you're guilty of something. It's level of sinister, that is to be determined. But you did something wrong. Don't pretend like, oh, there's nothing that happened here and Jim didn't know. What are you, out of your minds? 
He knows everything. He didn't know that. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Now, one of the things that Michigan is saying like, is that they've got evidence. And if the Big Ten wants to come out and really discipline them, they're going to unload all the muskets and show you what, how, how, how much this is purveying and, and, and it happens in other places. All I can tell you is that like they're saying that Purdue and Rutgers might have uh, allowed some information to pass back and forth about picking up other teams' teams, you know, because coaches from other teams talk and this, that, the other thing. And they're saying that that is, there's there's a little bit of a difference here. And it was best described, I saw by someone in the chat room saying that like, basically, you know, what, what Rutgers and Purdue and maybe another school or two might be guilty of is taking a test in third period and then talking about it and telling what someone who might take a test in fifth period might do. And what Michigan has done is essentially break into the teacher's desk and steal the answer key. Like there's a big difference between discussing how other teams operate and stealing the playbook. You know, I mean, there and there is a little bit of a difference there. Anyways, it's, it's a lot of uh, nuanced nonsense. The maximum football was muzzled, I'm seeing. That's where we are in the chat. You're telling me you can't hear maximum football? It's not as loud as it should be? It should be. Like, I got it cranked right there. It's as loud as it gets. Nothing on maximum football. Oh, no. Coming in really quiet. All right. Hold on. I will worry about that more tomorrow, I guess. Soundboard going to the headphones. Well, yeah, it was supposed to come to you, too. Anyway. Um, my favorite story is the baseball uh, baseball's offseason so far is that apparently a stomach ailment went through about 10% of the executives at the baseball offseason kickoff. So uh, there you go. Bad shrimp. That's funny. And now before we get into Club Plus, I have your Are You Ready to Feel Old update. Are you ready to feel old right now? Because I got something to share with you. Today, November 9th in 1993, two very important albums came out. The third studio album by A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, was released 30 years ago today, as was Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers, Wu-Tang Clan's first studio album, 30 years ago today. 30 years. 30 years ago. 30 years! By the way, put on either one of those albums right now. It's better than anything Drake has ever done in his life. Better than anything, uh, what about Kanye? Or any, better than anything. Better than anything Jay-Z's ever done. I mean, come on, dude. We're talking about one of the most sonically pleasing, bordering on Sgt. Pepper's level of creativity in Midnight Marauders. And then Enter the 36 Chambers is one of the most hardcore, not fucking around rap albums of all time. Raw, with no trivia. We're like cocaine straight from Bolivia. Oh, great albums. I'm also proud to let you know that my son uh, thinks chickens are hysterical. Jack thinks chickens are, it's why he dressed me as a chicken for Halloween. Um, I played him Scenario by A Tribe Called Quest. And he'll lean over to me and say, row, row, like a dungeon dragon. Like, he is picking up the Busta Rhymes appearance on Scenario. He loves the chickadee choco, the chocolate chicken, the rear cock diesel butt cheeks. They were kicking, again, chicken and butt cheeks. He's four years old. He thinks these things are hysterical. So there you go. I'm raising my son well. He's getting into a tribe called Quest and Busta Rhymes and chickadee choco, the chocolate chicken. Butt cheeks, they were kicking. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, tomorrow we're going to have Kendra Middleton join us. She is a Jaguars expert, the only Jaguar expert or fan I ever know or met. Larry Kruger and I are going to have a 49er wake-up for you on Monday. I hope you plan on joining me at the two-minute warning of 49ers and Jaguars this coming Sunday. We'll have a great show for you tomorrow. I thank you for being a part of this one today. You are the best. The best community, seriously. I hope you watched that Plus Mania 2 Electric Boogaloo video that dropped yesterday. If you haven't, please check it out. Give that a like. Give it some love. Give this bad boy a like, some love. Uh, spread the gospel, if you will, please. It would mean an awful lot. Share this channel. Show it to your friends. Ask them to subscribe. Let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I want it. Help me get it. Thank you very much for tuning in. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.